0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. CTmobile.com.
1: Guests appear on the Superbook Sports phone line. Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook Sports Tennessee app today with Jason and John, live from the Topps Barbecue Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN.
0: Jason Fitz, the host of Fitz and Harry Cam- Catch him all over ESPN, XFL today. I saw him on over the weekend. Joins every Monday, and he joins us now. Fitz, what's up, baby? Just living that dream. How y'all doing? All is good in Memphis. Yeah, man. So let's start with the XFL. It is is spring football. I saw you doing some work. I saw your man Harry Douglas was on scene there uh, with the Vegas Vipers. What is the measure of success for the XFL? What should it be? I mean, making it to
2: a second season, like if we're just being real, I think for all these leagues, there's this, this element of sustainability, you know, and it's something the USFL is going to deal with too. Like when you start thinking about what the measure of success for this league is uh, there's two things. One, you got to sustain, but two, we're seeing a an interaction with the NFL that we've never seen before. And I've talked a lot to Dean Blandino, who's the head of rules innovation, don't his name ever for the XFL, but uh, he made it clear that they've been in talks with the NFL from the outset. On what they're doing rules wise. So, some of these things, like, for example, having the opportunity to go for a fourth and 15 instead of an onside kick in your own territory. That's something that the NFL has explored multiple times, but didn't want to take the plunge on. Well, now they've seen it and actually seen it help a team win a game. So, you know, those sorts of changes, the elimination of the extra point and instead the opportunity to go for one, two, or three after every touchdown. That's something that the NFL has talked quietly about. So the XFL is is not even being shy about the fact that they want to be a feeder league for the NFL in a way that helps rules be tested out. I think that's the other success for them. How much of this ends up in the NFL? Like, I, I think we could see some of these rule changes initiated as soon as this season if the NFL continues to like what they see.
1: Speaking of the NFL, you've got the combine this week. Bryce Young's only going to do the interviews. He's going to wait till pro day to throw. If you are any organization, Bears included, if you're the Colts who might want to trade up and get him, is there anything you need to know, Fitzy, that you don't already that you can learn there in those interviews about Bryce Young? You know he's a winner, but are there still things you want to ask him? No, I mean,
2: for me, this is so clear. and We're making it so complicated. You either love Bryce Young or you're scared of his size. Right. And, and size isn't height, it's frame in this situation. I have one person that covers the uh, Alabama that told me that at one point this year, Bryce Young was estimated to be around 165 pounds in the middle of the season. Now, he was taking hits from guys like Jalen Carter, right, and getting up from it. Can he do that week in and week out? He's been working with special nutritionists and trainers to try and get his weight up, I think, at the Combine he's going to weigh in a little heavier than most people think. So I think he's going to try and get himself into that 195 range, 200 range would be ideal, but he's just a small frame dude. So, you know, you either love that, uh, you either have a problem with that or you don't. And if you don't have a problem with it, then he should be the number one pick overall in the draft. And there's not even a question about it. If you do have a problem with it, then you have to move past the prospect. I don't think the combine changes anything. I don't think the pro day is going to change anything. I also think that right now, if I was a GM of of a football team, if I, if I knew that I could get any level of protection for him on the offensive line, I would, without hesitation, take Bryce Young as the first overall pick.
0: My partner is very excited because he knows he holds the keys as a Bears fan uh, to the NFL mm-hmm. draft, and we saw the report from Shefty this morning um, and, and then the report, of course, is that the Bears are leaning toward moving the top pick. Is that the right move for the Bears? A hundred
2: times out of a hundred, especially depending on how far they're going to move down. But you know, I've had a couple of insiders tell me Houston doesn't love any of these quarterbacks. That's interesting to me because if you're the Bears right now, you feel like you have a real opportunity to move down four or five. Uh, you can move down to six. You could trade with the Colts. You could trade with the Raiders. You could trade with the Panthers and still get yourself a top ten pick and a lot of uh, a lot of equity in return for it. So suddenly it becomes a real conversation about how far can you go down and still get yourself a Will Anderson or a Jalen Carter or you know one of those defensive studs. The other thing with the Bears that we have to remember is that nobody in the NFL has more money to spend than Chicago does. So if Chicago wants to address the offensive line, which is also a smart thing to do, I think they could drop as far as 10 to 12 and still get there. So I don't even think it's just one move for the Bears. The Bears, if they're smart here, are looking to trade down a few times, get as much equity out of it as they possibly can, and just start acquiring players. Because I, I think they have their quarterback at Justin Fields. I don't think there's any question about that. So now go get him weapons, get an offensive line, spend that $90 million you got in cap money. The Bears should look wildly different next year. And it should be a team that can go from obviously having the first overall pick to being in, at least in the middle of the pack, if not competitive
1: in their division. Now that he's out of the darkness retreat, what should Aaron Rodgers do? He should go back to Green Bay. I
2: I, I mean, I I think that we make this so complicated, but realistically, he knows Green Bay. Green Bay knows him. He knows the system. Uh, Everybody knows, understands what it's like to deal with him. You know, you you think about all of the things that come with being Aaron Rodgers. You also think about the control he has within the organization and of course, importantly, the contract. I, I just I think we've made the incredibly difficult to move off of contract seem like it's funny money, and it's not. The cap hit for trading him before June first is just epic, right? So then you're gonna wait till after June first to trade him. That just feels weird for whatever organization he's going to. So does he want to be back? I, I don't know, but does he have a lot of options to go somewhere else? I really don't think so. I, I think this is all going to turn out really boring and. Aaron Rodgers is gonna end up back. Derek Car's gonna get overpaid and that means Jimmy G's gonna have a bunch of suitors that will pay him thirty five million dollars to go play quarterback, which is wild.
0: You know, Fitz, I, I catch a lot of grief here on on the show sometimes for talking about the Raiders, but we had an event last week at Topps Barbecue, legendary barbecue spot here in Memphis. And I can't tell you how many people came up to me and said how much they love the Raiders. And even a Cowboy fan encouraged me to keep talking about them because it was a nice reprieve from Cowboys and 49ers and Steelers talk in Memphis. So I am going to ask you a Raiders question for all those fans out there. Should they trade up to number one? Should they trade up to number four? Like what do you think the Raiders should do there at seven and, and with what they have? Yeah,
2: you got to trade up. I mean, 100% you have to trade up because you're not going to get one of the best quarterbacks at seven, I don't believe. And then the other side of it is, look, I've been really hard. I, I got blown up on Twitter on Friday because I'm very hard on Anthony Richardson. I'm very hard on Will Levis. But I will say this, if any team, whether it's the Raiders, the Panthers, the Colts, if any team has identified one of these guys clear-cut as their number one then you've got to trade all the way up to number one to get him. Because there are so many teams at the top that need a quarterback. You cannot afford to sit around and just hope that you're going to get the second guy on your list and then spend the rest of your career as a coach wondering why you didn't get the first guy. So if that first guy is Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, then go up to one and get him, even though I don't agree with that. If that first guy is C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, trade up to number one and get them. And when you're in a division, and I think this is something that, you know, a lot of teams are going to feel, but when you're in a division and a conference where you're competing against not only the best quarterback right now, but maybe the best quarterback of all time, you got to ask yourself if you're willing to be the jets for the next 15 years and just get your butt kicked by one Tom Brady. You know, that's what's going to happen for Patrick Mahomes for the next 12 to 15 years. So, if you're the Raiders, you've got to be aggressive at some point. I, I think next year's quarterback class is better, but I also don't think that next year's quarterback class is going to be easy, easily attainable. So you're up this high, you've got to swing at one of these guys if you love them.
1: Let, let's say, uh, we go with what you had, and Aaron goes back to Green Bay. Just in terms of what you've seen from both guys, you mentioned them, you said Carr's going to get overpaid. Guy, guy you would take first, set aside the Raiders, but if, you, if you're another organization that needs a quarterback, you want that free agent for you or or whether you're going to go get Garoppolo. Which one of those two guys, the winner or the the numbers guy?
2: No, I'm taking Derek Carr because I've seen the best. If I have weapons in a defense, I'm taking Derek Carr. So I think as long as if I'm going into a situation where Derek Carr is going to be asked to be a piece and not the piece, then I'm willing to give him whatever it takes. I don't think Derek Carr, he's like a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm not sure he necessarily makes everything around him suddenly championship level. But when everything around him is very good, he can take good and make it great. So I, I think Derek Carr can be absolutely a, a very good quarterback for the Jets. You know, I, I think Derek Carr can be a very good quarterback even for a team like the Saints. It does have some some options. Uh, I don't think Derek Carr makes the Panthers a playoff team. There's a difference there, right? Like so, it's just got to be the right situation for Derek Carr. But certainly, none of these free agents to me resonate more than Carr.
0: We are talking to Jason Fitz, catch him on Fitz and Harry, catch him all over ESPN Sports Center on Snapchat, XFL Today, the man truly does it all. Fitz, I, I don't know if you saw a Deion Sanders' comments from over the weekend, but, <laughs> yeah. but but he is catching some grief. Basically, for those who missed it, he said uh, when it comes to a quarterback, they're looking for a guy with coming from a two-parent household with a 3.5 GPA, and when it comes to an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, they want a guy who has a single mom, who's getting free lunch, who's trying to save mama and get mom out the hood why are those uh, comments problematic from Dion
2: I think people don't people are uncomfortable with truth sometimes from coaches because I'll tell you the sentiments that he echoed are sentiments I've heard from other coaches in the past I, I think you know when you look at it sort of situations and you look at what you're looking for for different players like it's not a popular or nice thing to say and we never want to live in a world where suddenly we're you know stereotyping any group based on any one thing but you know, how many times most coaches will come out and say, I want a defensive lineman with that dog in him, right? Well, what are they saying? They're saying they want somebody that has absolutely everything to fight for. And frankly, that's not just defensive lineman. I'll never forget the first time I talked to Mike Golick Jr., uh, offensive lineman at the time, when he was leaving Notre Dame and he went through draft coaching uh, from a coach. One of the things he was coached on at the Combine is when you were asked the question, what, what do you love other than football? What else are you into? The answer is nothing. I only love football. And they, they coached Mike on that because they didn't want anyone to perceive that Gojo wasn't all in on football when they knew he could just go into broadcasting and follow in his dad's footsteps. So you think about, like, the things you're fighting when you walk into the room. One of the things you're fighting is whatever the misconceptions are about you. And then at some point, you you've just got to look at what coaches – are looking for, and the concept of that, that again, I use air quotes, that dog in him is somebody saying, I want somebody that absolutely has no alternative but to fight for their family and for their food and everything in front of them at positions that require that. And it's an awful, awful thing to say out loud, but there are plenty of coaches that share that sentiment. The difference between Dion and everybody else is my guy understands exactly where he is in life and does not care what any of us think about what he says. So he's just reflecting a level of honesty that, frankly, he's not reflecting anything that Bobby Bowden didn't, didn't say to him at Florida State, I'm sure, at some point. You know. So uh, it just speaks to the honesty of Dion, good or bad.
1: Fitz, we had not gotten a chance to talk to you about it, but we've, but we've certainly talked a lot about it. What, just what have you thought of Nate Oates, Alabama's handling of Brandon Miller's involvement in that in that murder case
2: i think all of this and and
1: that i'm glad you
2: asked me about this because we haven't talked a ton about it and uh, this is where alabama fans constantly blow everybody up that says anything negative in a world uh where a kid can be sat down for missing a class or a kid can be sat down for you know having too many drinks a kid can be sat down for being late to practice kids can be sat down for anything especially when it's reflection of your university i think the the most surprising part about this is that number one They weren't aware, as they admitted, they weren't aware of some of the things that were a part of this until the testimony happened on the stand, which makes me ask the immediate question, what kind of investigation did Alabama do and how much information did they really want to know? Number two, from head coach to AD to the fans, everybody else in the process, it feels like they have said the wrong thing at the wrong time every single step of the way there is a dead woman in this situation and we're sitting here trying to make this about something that it's not at the end of the day whatever has happened here What we haven't had is transparency from Alabama on what their investigation process was, on how they came to the decision to let him play and his teammate. They haven't given us any transparency on what they knew, when they knew, and how they knew it. And for anyone that says, that well, it's an open investigation and they can't, well, the less you give us information-wise, the more you open the door to being questioned about your entire process. You guys know I've been consistent About these things over the years and all my times talking to you whether it's a coach whether it's a player you are reflective of the university that you wear in your chest at the college level that's why i demand so much of coaches in general when they speak i don't think nato has at all represented alabama the right way i don't think the way that they've handled this shows us any information that makes us feel comfortable in this situation and i genuinely believe that if it was a lesser program or a team that was not having the year that they were having they would not be playing it because it wouldn't be worth the scrutiny. But when you are on the doorstep of a possible national championship, you'll forgive all of that as long as you keep winning games. That's the reality of college sports. But if that's going to be the reality we have to accept, then let me be real about it when I speak about it.
0: Um, real quick, while we're on the topic that's of up. college basketball, is there a team as we you know are about to move into the month of March that that you think – you know, can win the championship. It just feels like, you know, do we believe Houston can do it? Uh, I'm just curious. Is there a team you like right now?
2: No. Uh, and, and the hardest part about the college basketball world this year is that it has been wildly inconsistent, not just team to team, uh, but game to game. And one thing that has, has really hit me, you know, there, there are certain conferences, like I was watching the Big Ten all weekend, and I don't know that I've ever seen not just the the huge comeback for Iowa over Michigan State. But just the Big Ten's inability to find any offense anywhere, anytime is stunning to me. And then you've got the Big 12 where all of a sudden it feels like at times they're more worried about just beating each other up like it's a quasi-football game than trying to run any sort of an offense. So I don't see anything I love there. And then you've got Alabama running over an SEC that just doesn't feel that great to me. And everybody asking about Houston's level of competition. Like I genuinely think the good of the sport this year is that we're this close to March Madness, and I have no idea who I should expect to win it all. The bad of the sport is that, you know, game day, instead of going to a great Pac 12 matchup this weekend, is going to a useless North Carolina Duke matchup because we're still so beholden yep. to particular brands that. This year should be the year we're focused on how great college basketball is because there is more parity than ever, and instead we're still trying to find a way to shoehorn the two brands everybody's used to into it. I'm mad about that. Yeah, hey, that's
0: Fitz, real. You're the best. Appreciate dude. it, Fitz. Appreciate you as always. Have a great week. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, you guys. Have a great week. He Is Jason Fitz? Catch him on Fitz and Harry. Catch him on XFL today. Sports Center on Snapchat.